You're listening to Bits of Me, the podcast about women's bodies, all the things we should know about them, and all the stories behind them. In this episode, I talk to Jack Sinnott, an activist, creative, and mother of two, who started struggling with feelings of rage, hopelessness, and suicide ideation after weaning her youngest child. She shares her experience of seeing GPs, googling and trying to find treatment for what she soon realised was PMDD, a condition that affects around 5% of menstruating women. So I suppose you could say that before you realised that something was going on or something was wrong, you had a few years of a lot going on in your life is that fair to say yes <laughs> yes um yeah it wasn't really um the pmdd wasn't you know separate from all of the other stuff that was going on enough for me to be able to pinpoint that it was pmdd and not all of the other stuff that was going on mm-hmm. um especially um especially once I came off the pill, you yeah. know, which was in 2012. And that was my first time being off it for 10 years, probably, mm. when that started. So I came off it, the pill in 2012, but my mother had just died. Mm. So what I was feeling was grief, but I obviously had rage, which you have with grief. So um, it wasn't... Able, it wasn't that I was able to say, okay, this is down to my period. Everything was grief related at that time, you know. Mm. And then I became pregnant then the year after that. So not even a year after that, actually, only about nine months after that. So um, I was listening to your other um, podcast with Catherine and same as that, like, you know, pregnancy, I was feeling really good. Um, it definitely balanced everything and there was no I mean there was usual pregnancy hormones but it was like that was more kind of like crying when you're happy and Mm. you know crying over crying over ridiculous things and not like the the really hopelessness and despair and despondence that I get with the PMDD. Yeah so it was then after you weaned your second child, your youngest child, that things got really bad? Yeah. So, like, with my first, um, she was uh, a big feeder. Like, so she breastfed throughout the night right up until um, I was pregnant with my second and she was two and a half and she would still awake during the night and would only settle for boob. So I guess um, I hadn't really had that time of no pill, no breastfeeding, no pregnancy. Yeah. Um, until, um, yeah, until he, he wasn't as big a feeder and he didn't feed as much even during the day as she did. And then he started to drop feeds at night. And then I got my cycle back way earlier on him than I did with uh, my daughter. So, um, yeah, things started going a bit crazy then. And, I just didn't know what was going on. It was really like, like, as same as Catherine said, like really that feeling just of totally out of control. Like there was nothing that I could control about how I was feeling. And 
nothing that I could do to help how I was feeling and it was just really really scary and of course I went to the GP and immediately they thought uh, postnatal depression Mm. just because it was within a year of um, my son being born so that was kind of the first port of call really um I didn't really think that it was myself because it wasn't consistent as in I didn't always feel like that you know mm. it was um it was up and down so what was it like when it was hard when you were having the the kind of bad spells or bad moments what what did it feel like for me it was like extreme rage um extreme rage and just hopelessness and then when it started to get really bad um suicide ideation and thinking they would be better like thinking literally that my my four-year-old and my not even one-year-old would be better if I just left them here and someone found them and Mm. if I just went off and if I just either like was just to kill myself or to leave them by themselves they would actually be better off and the worst day was um probably just I flew into a rage just I was shouting but I kind of caught myself and I I realized well I it was like I was on the outside looking in realizing what was going on I'm here I'm shouting at a four-year-old I need to just stop And then I became really, really ashamed really quickly and I just broke down. I was crying and then I reverted to an old coping mechanism that I had when I was growing up when there was turbulence in the house. Mm. And that was to um, self-harm by hitting myself. So Mm. I was basically punching myself in the face just to stop the thoughts that I was having. And that was in front of my kids. And that was definitely the worst moment ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty horrific. And you're saying that it was almost as though you were looking at yourself from outside of yourself. Um, yeah. Were you able to look back at what had happened then? Um, like, were you self-aware enough to kind of feel as though something was wrong or were you in this all the time or what was that like? Yeah, that's the strange thing about it. I was definitely um, not in it all the time. It was like that evening. I remember like, you know, I remember lying on the bed for as long as I possibly could. The kids were small. I was like, just lie down with me and uh, I just need to have a little rest, you know, because I was on my own with them. There was nowhere else to go. There was nobody to call. There was nothing to do except for just survive those few minutes. Mm. And I remember that night just going, okay, like that was not, um, that was not okay. That was not normal. That's not um, just, you know, finding things hard as a a new mother of two that was definitely something beyond that um but then the next day it was almost like a hangover of that having that like you know I was hungover feeling because of the huge strain of those emotions and it was almost like a breakdown Mm. and then I got my period (laughs) yeah yeah 
And it was almost like a relief mm. because I had been thinking, you know, is, I think this is what it is. But I didn't know that it was called PMDD. Mm. I had just been thinking, I think this is like, because I'm getting my period, you know. Mm. And then I did get my period and I was like, fuck, that is what it is. What is this? You know, I can't keep doing this. But even then it felt like, it feels like you're exaggerating, you know, or or you just can't deal with it as well as other women deal with it. Mm. Like you're embarrassed, you're ashamed. Um, you know, it was almost like I was ashamed to even say to the GP, this is what mm. happens to me before I get my period. You know, yeah. you think you're really strange and weird and you just can't cope as well as other people. I know there's like a theme in your experience of going to GPs and feeling like you were not taken seriously and your problems weren't heard, really, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. There were a number of visits and a number of different people you spoke to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's difficult. It was difficult. I saw like the same, I went to the same practice all the time, but I saw different GPs within the practice. And I think because they knew my history and they knew, um, like my mother died by suicide and they knew this and they knew that I had been, um, I had been there talking about my grief before and when my first was a few months old, I had been there talking, I like did what everybody does after they have a baby. They cry in front of the GP wondering, mm. is this normal? You know, what is going on? What is happening to my life? And I felt like they were very quick to jump to depression, especially mm. because, you know, with a, with a parent who has that history, mm. then, you know, they they had said it to me when I was pregnant. You know, you're at an increased risk. Um, they said it after yeah. my children were born. You know, how are you? They were very like conscientious and they were very aware of it. But yeah, I don't really feel like they were listening to the exact things that I was saying. It was more just that they wanted me out of there. I was like, you know, take these and you'll be fine, kind of thing. And when you said that you were suicidal, um, there was a comment from a GP that was particularly, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, yeah. cold hearted, ignorant. Yeah, that was definitely the worst experience. And that was only um, at the beginning of this year. Like I, late last year or beginning of this year, I was put on to a different um, contraceptive pill just in the hopes that that would help um, earlier on. Before that, I had been on, um, I had been put on a particular pill and it actually made my moods worse. So they say, you know, try it for three months or six months and see how you go. You can't decide on the first month, but it definitely made it worse. So I went in and this GP was like, oh, you shouldn't have been put on that at all. That was 100% going to make you worse. So that was incredibly frustrating. So yeah. I had had that experience. And then the next time I went in, I was like, look, I need um, to talk to you about how this pill is reacting. I was bleeding continuously for over three weeks. So I was having cramps like I thought I was um, having a miscarriage or something. It was mm. it was so intense. Um, so I had to come off the pill, which to me was terrifying because it was actually making me feel better 
everything was a little bit more even. But she said, you know, you have to come off the pill and we're going to try it for three months and then take a break for those few days. Let yourself have a withdrawal bleed and then, um, you know, your body will adjust again and take it again. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm really worried about those few days mm. where I will be having a withdrawal bleed. You know, my body will be all over the place. My hormones will be all over the place. And this is like what triggers the PMDD like you know it's the brain reaction to that change in hormones and like you know I have been on my own with my kids and having like suicide ideation especially during lockdown I mean that was like the perfect storm Mm. and she said you know well you're a sensible person it's only a few days you know you can get through it wow and that was it that's the kind of that was the extent of her advice or Mm. compassion or empathy for what I was telling her basically that for five days maybe maybe even two days maybe even only like a few hours I have suicidal thoughts where I so so much so that if I go for a walk on the beach and I could be thinking to myself I could just go in there now Mm. and everything would be okay And that's what she said. And it just was so frustrating and upsetting. And like, especially that my mother died by suicide, you know, it just, Mm. it's scary. I like on my good days when the period comes and then me, Jack, as normal, I'm not suicidal. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have those thoughts ever. And that's what I was trying to explain to her. And you know, she obviously doesn't have this understanding of PMDD. Mm. So so when did you first um, read about PMDD and kind of realised that there was something there, that that's probably what you were suffering from? Probably just after that incident with the kids where I was um, just, I would say, in an awful state and just for those couple of days I was Googling wondering you know um I actually googled like self-harm PMS kind of thing yeah and it actually brought it brought up an article straight away that um about PMDD and so I had never heard of it before and like premenstrual dysphoric disorder um it sounded kind of intense um but the intensity of it is exactly how I was feeling And, you know, there was one of those quizzes, you know, take this to see if you have PMDD or check this box. Or Mm. if you have seven out of these 10, then you probably have it. And I had like 10 of the symptoms. Okay. Yeah. So Mm. that's when I kind of realized. And even just realizing that it was such a relief. Mm. Because it's like validating but also, um, okay, now I can do something about it. Now now that I know that it's not just me imagining this, like, you know, before my period, it's, it is a thing and it, it has a name and I can do something about it. Mm. Of course, when you, when you Google things like this, you get all sorts of other things. But I discovered also that um, PMDD is frequently uh, misdiagnosed as bipolar disorder 
Yeah. And to me, that really, really makes sense because like the cycling of it, it just, you're so down. Like you're not like, obviously with bipolar disorder, you have the, the, the ups as well. And they're, they can be quite manic and all of that. But my mother was diagnosed bipolar disorder and was hospitalized for that and was treated for that for years and years. And that's, you know the the turbulence in the home that I was uh, talking about earlier yeah as well as other things but then I also discovered that there is um evidence that PMDD is genetic so um mm. like you in or hereditary you inherit this from you know your mother if your mother had it then you're more than likely going to have it um so that was just really, really eye-opening for me. Yeah. Because I could then, I was then looking back through a different lens on the experiences of seeing my mother in that way mm. and realizing, you know, it wasn't every day that she was, you know, really down like that, mm. you know? And it also explained why, like, she you know, she had problems with the medication not really working and it didn't really work because probably it wasn't bipolar disorder yeah yeah so and how does all of this make you feel when you think about like you have a daughter as well Mm. Mm. yeah it's terrifying but also I feel really relieved that I have kind of discovered this because like, I don't think that I always had PMDD. I think something, um, like I have seen on, uh, private groups that other people have gotten PMDD after their first baby or later in life mm. or something like, you know, the, a pregnancy or a birth, um, kind of triggered mm. it. So it does give me hope that maybe she won't have it when her period starts, but Again, so much was going on when I was a teen that, you know, I couldn't say whether I had it then or not. Um, the intensity of it definitely um, in the last few years has been way, way more of the hormonal feelings and the PMS and all that has been way more intense in the last few years. So that's why I think maybe it's only in the last few years that it's PMDD and not just something else. But I mean awareness is the key really isn't it like you know if if my mother did have PMDD and not bipolar disorder and never knew about it like it's heartbreaking yeah to think that it was something that could have been fixed or made better Mm. by not being like you know in a psych ward or on bipolar medication and by something that may have been helped by contraception pill Mm. Something like that, which she wasn't on. And I know that she wasn't on. But it it, it does make me, I try not to be fearful about my daughter um, yeah. when she starts her, you know, because I don't want to put that on her because she may not have it. And But at least I'm equipped to deal with it if she does. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I can know what it feels like. I know what those thoughts feel like. Like I have literally been walking around the block with my kids during lockdown talking to myself in my head like going that's not real what you're thinking there is not real that's not you Mm. like I've even I've even said it out loud sometimes no that's not real don't think that it's not real 
which with PMDD, I suppose that's the difference between PMDD and um other like mental health conditions. You're talking to yourself and saying that's not real and you'll feel better soon. Whereas with other mental health conditions, that's not true. Like, you know, there's some intervention that probably will be needed. Whereas when as soon as I start bleeding and get my period, I know that those thoughts will be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like which in one way, I get what the GP was trying to say to me. Oh, you're a sensible person. You know that this will um go or whatever in a few days. But on the other hand, there's people, there are people who have PMDD and who have completed suicide during those days. Yeah. It is a real thing. Yeah. You know, and that's terrifying. Yeah. So have you found... um? a pill a contraceptive pill or some kind of treatment that works for you now or are you still on that journey of trying to figure out what to do yeah I'm still trying to figure it out um just I'm on a contraceptive pill for the last few months and just a couple of months ago I had a phone consult because of lockdown or whatever with Mm. the GP and said you know it's not working um I'm still like getting those thoughts, even though I'm on this pill. So we have gone back and I've added in an SSRI yeah. to take for the few days. Obviously, I'm not getting a period, but with the last few days of the pill, I take an SSRI as well. Mm. That comes obviously with its own challenges. Like, you know, you can get like headaches and fatigue as well as the fatigue from PMDD. Mm. But we're trying that. Um, it was interesting actually listening to Catherine because I was told that I wasn't allowed to go on Yaz or Yasmin because the practice that I'm in don't prescribe it anymore due mm. to um risk of blood clots. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and yeah, she also noted something that I went armed with the GP to that it's the only FDA approved drug for PMDD only FDA approved um birth control for PMDD yeah. and it's interestingly the one that I was on for 10 years before I came off to start a family right mm. yeah and do you feel that you've found um a GP now who is kind of on this journey with you and who you can talk to and you feel that you trust that they have your best interests at heart or is it a constant is it an ongoing struggle to to be listened to Yes, it's definitely an ongoing struggle. I mean, I put on my stories on Instagram, you know, I'm quite open about it. I talk about it a lot and I have gotten the names of uh, GPs in Waterford that I should go to. Mm. But like anything that's good, <laughs> there's there's a waiting list and there is um, obviously during lockdown and all of this, it's harder to get there and it's harder to get appointments with the, the good ones. But there is one one gp in wardford who's supposed to be um very good with this um with pmdd and other sorts of um women's health issues so i think that will be my next port of call because it's just not working out right now um the practice that i'm in i've been speaking to the last couple of times i've been speaking to a gp who is good and she has been helpful and she has been listening mm. But I think she's only temporarily there. So, 
yeah it is an ongoing battle and then you just don't know who to go to and you don't know who to talk to and it's up to you to do your own research and it's up to you to go this is what I have you need to help me and this is how you help me Mm. which is just infuriating like you want you want somebody who will say okay I'm not familiar with that but here this is the person that you need to speak to yeah rather than just you know saying the wrong thing just say you're not familiar with it like Mm. and it's it's not unusual because there aren't many um gps who are familiar with it Mm. I know that this might be hard to say now that I mean you're you're still very much figuring this out uh you haven't like come out the other end um but is there anything in your experience that you feel could have been different that would have changed your experience of realizing that you were suffering with this and trying to find to get a diagnosis to find the right treatment Yes, I mean, something as simple as being listened to. I understand that going to a healthcare professional and saying that you had suicidal thoughts is like a massive red flag and they do, they need to act on that. Yeah. But I, w- I was um, referred to Pieta House for um, counselling for suicide ideation, so, which I felt like a complete imposter because I didn't feel suicidal all the time, you know, it was yeah. just one of the symptoms yeah I mean it's just the most frustrating thing in the world to be explaining what's going on with you and to not have anybody really hear you or understand or listen yeah and that's the difference really and that's the difference with getting the help that you need Mm. and not being fobbed off Mm. and how are you feeling now right now (laughs) right this moment (laughs) yeah um I it's it's harder to manage um but I know how to manage it myself um it's harder to manage obviously I mean with the last few months being you know confined to the house with um, the kids and all that and not one of the things like it's a really um sensory disorder as well as like anything can just set it off as in now I just feel like the tiniest little noise could be just overloaded in my brain and I just feel like I am going insane. And most of the time I can just counter that by going for a walk, uh, training, doing a workout, um, just having some alone time to reset. Mm. But there's no saying like one month I'll be fine and then the next month I will just be in bed from like with the kids and just feeling like I could sleep for days and days and I will never get enough rest Mm. and I think just accepting it is probably the easiest thing to do because as well as that with PMDD your brain tells you an awful lot of lies during that difficult time Mm. you know that you're useless that you're pathetic that you can't even get through the day without um, having a rest that um you're ruining your kids um you're completely failing everything Mm. that you do is wrong so this is like the soundtrack that's going on in your brain and when you look in the mirror it's a completely different image of yourself that you see Mm. like you don't even recognize the person it's like being in a hall of mirrors it's like I don't look like that that's not me and 
it's just completely amplified. But then once you know that it's PMDD, it's having the awareness and the acceptance to go, this is not real. This is not real. And it'll, it'll be okay in a couple of days. But again, when you're feeling like that, that's one of the hardest things to do. Mm. Do you know what it means um, when you enter menopause? Um, does that change? Does Do the PMDD symptoms go away? Do you know? Um, the PMDD symptoms probably get replaced with um, the hormonal changes that <laughs> menopause brings. Oh, that crap. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, exactly. Because I was listening to um, some man <laughs> being interviewed on the radio um, a few months back. And he was making the case for um, how if um, people who had periods had periods for a longer time during their life, it would actually make them healthier. And for delaying menopause for 20 years or something like that, he was talking about. Yeah. He was talking about, like, no um, thanks. Yeah, I was like, eh, no. <laughs> and, and I have looked into that. I have looked into that, you know, like obviously getting um hysterectomy and yeah. that's, it's one of the last resort options. Yeah. But then it brings on, like for, I'm 36, so that would bring on early menopause. Yeah. And then you have the hormone replacement therapy and things like that to consider. Mm. And osteoporosis and all those sorts of things so basically we're just screwed no matter what <laughs> no I don't know um I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that if I I don't want to be on a birth control pill forever mm. that's the other side of it I don't want to but if it helps then I'll, I'll happily do that and take that pill forever yeah if it helps with those thoughts for those few days every month yeah. That was Jack Sinnott on Bits of Me. I'll put links in the show notes to follow both Jack and the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. If you're enjoying Bits of Me, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.